0: let's begin now with the letter letters in this world always started the same way uh, i'll give you an example Tychicus, the town plumber to uh o andronicus uh, the mayor may the gods bless you sometime like that always then about the plumbing situation of the north end of town da, 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 So there's a a way of writing a letter. And Paul follows that. Paul, his title, and then finally he gets to uh, who he's writing to. Uh, This is is the way letters were written. Now, did Paul sit down at his computer and type this up? No. Uh, Did he write it out longhand? Probably not. Uh, He had a secretary or maybe a couple uh, taking dictation because by the time the person gets to write something like this they'll have it in their head it's not though that paul is no 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 cross that out and write Uh, so in the manuscript manuscript there could be cross outs then that was taken to a publishing house but of course a publishing house in those days meant what it meant a room full of men taking dictation from one who was dictating. Pavlos, Dulos, Christui, and so forth, and they all write Pavlos. So you might get 10, 20 copies of the letter to the Romans copied out in one shot. But they're done by one man reading and a whole group of others writing. Sometimes in doing that, we have manuscripts that are dissonant. They don't have exactly the same. Sometimes it's because the words were pronounced just about identically in Greek and so one scribe heard it this way one scribe heard it that way. There are going to be examples in Romans, I'm sure, but the one I'm thinking of now is in the letter to uh, first letter of John, where he says I'm writing you uh, in a hikaraimon kara imon. kara imon can be spelled with a long e and then it means our joy, or it can be spelled with a U, but pronounced identically the same way, and it means your joy. Am I writing that your joy may be filled? Or am I writing that our joy may be filled? The difference in the manuscripts comes from the different scribes hearing imon differently. They heard the same sounds, imon. Some took it to mean our joy, some took it to mean your joy. So we have, it's not an earth-shaking difference, but it's one that shows you that this is the way things were done. So Paul probably is uh, dictating. In some letters, as you know, he signs them at the end. He says, look, this is the big letters I write with. I write these letters. If it doesn't have this, it's not from me. So, because there was, some people were forging letters. I remember he says that in the Thessalonian correspondence, right? If you got a letter from me, you know, purporting to say that the day of the Lord has already come, don't you believe a word of it. So we're in a very different world now than we were when we were doing the Gospel of John. But it's a precious revelation by the Holy Spirit to Paul and through Paul to us. Who is God? What has He done for us? Who is Jesus Christ? What is the meaning of His death and resurrection? Why are we baptized? What does it mean to be justified? How do we live this Christian life? How do we die to flesh and live to God? Die to ourselves. All of those things are in this letter. So we're going to begin with the the beginning. Pavlos, doulos Christuisu Isu. Paul, servant or slave of Christ Jesus, a called apostle, or called to be an apostle, Clitos Apostolos, set apart for the gospel of God, now here we are We're in the same in the first sentence. And he's talking about the evang- Evangelion Tehu. Now what does this Evangelion Tehu, what does that mean? What is an Evangelion? Um well is a it's it's um the Greek expression of a word and used in Greek, I mean uh A runner can come back from a victory and say, you know, he's bringing evangelion, he's bringing good news. Ev, good, angelion, news, you see. He's bringing good news. Or somebody can run home and say, your wife has had a baby, he's fine. Evangelion, good news. Now, in the Hebrew culture, that word would be Basar. And there are texts, Basar, we just won the victory. Things like that. That person is called a Mubaser. He's a one bearing good news. Okay. You remember that famous phrase in the letter, I mean, the letter, in the prophecy of Isaiah. Isaiah, How beautiful on the mountains, huh? Are the feet of the one who's bringing good news. The feet of the Mubaser. He's saying, Adonai Malak, our God reigns. Our God is king. He can do with history whatever he wants. That's the way uh, that text begins, you see. How beautiful, Manayim, uh, in chapter 52, if I'm not mistaken. The Mubasir is the bearer of gospel. So, the word can cover all those things. Your wife just had a baby, we want a victory. God is going to take charge of us and bring us back to our own land. can mean a lot of different things. Uh, here it means what? It means God has come to lift from man the weight of sin and death so that from now on through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ we have eternal life. We are justified. We are righteous in God's sight. And that's going to be one of the principal topics of discussion in this letter to the Romans. You see, the uh, So the gospel is the good news. He's going to say in verse 18, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Okay? Uh, uh, Because it is the power of God to salvation. Well, what's the gospel? Is it the words? What's the gospel? can't be just the words. Suppose you root for Oh, the Washington Redskins. It's perilous if you do, but maybe you do. So I come in and I say to you, the Redskins won yesterday. That's good news, if they won. My words are not good news. The event is the good news. And my words bring you that good news, but the good news is the event. That's the good news. So I say, Jesus Christ is the living, eternal Son of God. He died in an act of love, rose again in an act of love and fire and light, and brought, as opened the way for us, to spend eternity with the Trinity. That's good news if it happened. And it did happen. And that's why Paul says, you see, I am not ashamed of the good news. Because that reality is the power of God unto salvation. And the words that bring that reality are filled with power because they're bearing the reality itself, not just a news report of it. Am I clear? So here, you see, it says, Paul, servant of Christ Jesus, a called apostle, or called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. My whole life is given over to be the announcer of good news to try to explain, why are you filled with fear? Why are you worshipping the emperor? Why are you to go to those Roman games? Why are you scared to death? Why is your life sexually a mess? Because you don't know the good news. You don't know what God, who God is or what he's done for us and where he wants to take us. That's the good news. You see, if you're out on the street preaching, that's the good news. But you don't start that way. People got to walk right by you and say, yeah, there's another nut." But if you say, you know what? You can be free of the fear you've got of losing your job. You can be free of the anger that eats you up because of this or that. You know, you can be wondering about the future, you know, and you can be stuck at a couple of vices you want to get out of and can't. I've got good news for you. You can, they say, that sounds nice. How do I know it's true? First thing you say is, look at me. Let me tell you what Jesus Christ did for me. That's the beginning of the witness to the good news. If you start off, repent, you're not going to get anywhere. First, I've got to tell you what I know personally about what Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, has done for me. Then I can branch out and start to explain what all that means. This is important if you're ever doing street preaching. You don't start with, a, you know, a discourse on the existence of God or something. you got people yeah, yeah, I suppose there's a God, but it doesn't make any difference to me. i got my taxes to pay. I might lose my job. I'm stuck on alcohol, you know, or I'm in jail for murder. Okay. Set apart for the good news of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets and holy writings the good news is already in the Old Testament by promise. You see? So, first thing he said, he promised beforehand through his prophets and holy writings concerning his son. God has a son? Yes. Who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh. Who was instituted son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness due to resurrection from the dead. He rose from the dead and now he's glorious and beautiful. And you can understand who he is. He is the living, eternal, divine, infinite Son of God who came and took all our sufferings on himself and transformed them in an act of love so that now there's hope in this world. The very period into which the gospel, particularly in the Roman civilization, into which it was being preached, was, according to one of the historians of the time, E.R. Dodds, he called it the age of anxiety. Rome covers a lot. And Augustus has got a good balance on the GNP. But what is going on? We can feel the thing crumbling. Is this all there is? I was born to get sick have a wife who hates me and die I mean is that my life is that what it is the age of anxiety well we're living in one now right we're living in an age of anxiety right now what's going to happen with all this stuff you know what about all the nations that are dividing up what about our own age of anxiety and into that comes this breath of fresh air Jesus Christ our Lord and our Savior. See? And he's instituted in power, that is, and there you see him, resurrected from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord. You see? And that means, you know, Kyrios that means our emperor. Kyrios is the, the emperor right now. It's our Lord, huh? through whom we have received grace and apostleship for bringing about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for the sake of his name, among whom are you yourselves the called of Jesus Christ, to all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called by God to be saints. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the blessing. A greeting still to this day in uh, Greece, is which means rejoice. That's what the runner, he came back from the battle when Athens defeated uh, Sparta. He ran 26 miles. That's the first marathon. And when he got there, what did he say? Rejoice! So to this day, Greeks say to say hello, they say I think I've told you the story before. I was in Athens, and I was walking down the street and a very Greek man was coming a priest was coming the other way he was dressed in the Rason and the epic of Falion and had a big black beard great big mediterranean nose so i've got to be ecumenical so i say you know no i said to him karimera i didn't say kere i said karimera good day he says what do you say i'm from brooklyn <laughs> but the greeting is kere and so that's what he's saying here grace he changes the kere to kharis which means grace. All right, we've begun the letter.